This is for all barbers, no matter your age, race, or status. Barber life. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. On the line is my man, Ivan Zoot. Ivan, how are you? I am very well. Good evening. Thank you so much for inviting me to spend a little bit of time with you talking and sharing about the business. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You know, you were, um, I, I've spoken to you a, a few times at the expos. Now I know that's, that's goes for probably tens of thousands of people at this point. So I'm, you know, and not one of those guys like, Hey, do you remember when we had the conversation? <laughs> you know, um, but right. one, one of, one of the things I loved about you right off the bat when I actually get to see you in person is that you do not care about what people are saying or thinking about you. There's nothing that you're doing that's based on an image you're trying to keep up. What you're doing is educating, like every single Absolutely. second you're talking. Yes, go on that. <laughs> and, and, and a big piece of it is, a big piece of it is, I didn't make this stuff up. What I share <laughs> in classes and programming, I don't, sh I, I don't share opinion. Um, I share facts. I share best practices. I share the realities of what goes on in our business. You know, I sometimes have very little patience for a lot of the stuff that goes on on social media because you got guys that just because they have two thumbs and a telephone, they, they think, you know, that the kind of stuff they're putting out there is the way it is. And somebody, you know, I kind of take it upon myself occasionally to be the voice of reason in all this. Like, wait a minute, time out, guys. Let's talk about this. Yes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play you straight. If you're right, you're right. If you're wrong, you're wrong. And you know what? I can be wrong, too. And that's why we talk about it. I like that, man. I mean, that's there's not a lot of ego involved in your work, from what I can tell. I, you know what? Because I, I, I didn't invent this. I'm not the best. <laughs> I'm just out there trying to help people, period. You know, that's that's the whole conversation. How can I, you know, my conversations with people always start with, how can I help you? Yes. And then we go from there. I love it. I, see, this is this is what I'm about as well. And this is what I finally figured out about myself after, you know, I don't even know how many years of like trying to post the best haircut to, you know, for a long time, I thought I would love to be a platform artist for wall. You know, I, I love wall clippers. I've used them since I was 13 years old. It just makes sense. And then I realized that I don't want that life. I can't travel. I have like a family. I have like a house with a mortgage and like I have two shops. Like I can't just travel around, you know, like it's not going to work for me. So, um, you know, I started focusing on how can I help you? And that's that's sort of, you know, what this podcast became, um, you know, and, and I think so we kind of connect on that level. Um Absolutely. How, what was the climate that you started cutting hair in? Okay. I, I mean, you definitely started cutting hair before me, but I'm sort of in that pre-internet era as well, you know? So how about for you? Yeah. I got 33 years. Um, so we're talking late 1980s mm -hmm. um, and a very different world. The world was not the world it is now. And you're right. I think, I think really there's three eras we can talk about in the modern conversation of barbering. Um, some of it's going to be the center of where I started. We're going to call that late, late 80s, early 90s, um, pre-social media, pre-internet, pre-connectivity um, pre in that way. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of barber shops were, were maybe on the downward slope. You had a lot of older guys retiring out of the business. Um, you know, certainly urban ethnic was was very much a, a non-business business going on out there. Um, then you've got a middle era there, 
just as uh, the web was catching on, people were beginning to be able to use online tools and marketing. But before, you know, the beginning of social, but before what we'll call the explosion in barbering in mock. The modern era of barbering, social influencers, and all of that. So um, it was still very much, you know, prices were a lot lower in, in general and on average. Prices still aren't nearly where they need to be. That's why I've been the champion for over a dozen years now. Um, I created the holiday uh, Raise Your Haircut Prices Day in the USA. Uh, we celebrated that nationwide on July 1st. I created that holiday over a decade ago, and we don't have enough people celebrating yet. Uh, we need more people celebrating Raise Your Haircut Prices Day in the USA, but uh, the world was different. You know, I was doing things, I was advertising by putting paper flyers under the windshield wipers on cars in the parking lot at the movie theater at 10 o'clock at night. Nice. Guerrilla marketing. And I would, listen, my wife and I would go in, you know what, the J. Conrad Levinson is the author of the Guerrilla Marketing book series. And back when those were paper books that you got from the library, because <laughs> I'm an old school guy, yep. um, those were the books I used to build my business. My books today, 100 by 100, 100 new haircut customers in 100 days guaranteed, and $100,000 haircuts. My books are the guerrilla marketing books of today, specifically for the barber world. But I'm not kidding you. My wife and I, Friday and Saturday night, we had one of those um, second-run dollar theaters, movie theaters, across the street from my shop. Yeah. We would go there. We would go there at 8 o'clock when the 8 o'clock movie starts. We would fly all the cars. Then we would come back at 10 o'clock when the parking lot turned over. We would pick up all the flyers on the ground in the parking lot. Hmm. We would put them back on cars because we would recycle the flyers because we didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> and we would put out new flyers. And then we would come back at midnight after the 10 o'clock show to clean the parking lot because I wanted to stay on good terms with the guy that owned the parking lot and the guy that owned the theater. Right. And I am not kidding you. My shop was eight chairs. My shop was 24 haircutters. And my shop did 330 to 350 haircuts every single day. Wow. And the way, and the way we built that business was by doing stuff like putting flyers on cars. So if you are a young barber who has Instagram, who has YouTube, who has social media and Facebook, if you complain to me that you're having trouble building haircut business, I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just don't even understand the difference between the world in which I built a business and the world in which, and you know, the argument I get the other side is, those same folks are going to say to me, yeah, but you don't understand. I, you know, I live in New York City, and we got two barber shops on every block, mm -hmm. and there's so much competition, and there's so much pressure to grow and build and everything, and I can't make money in New York City, and my answer is... <laughs> You don't need that many customers. In order to be busy in our business, every barber in America, in order to earn six figures, I'm talking $100,000 plus, in order to earn six figures, you need 400 customers. There you Literally, go. 400 active customers. Now, if you're in New York City, if you walk out the front door of your barbershop and you look straight up in the air, you are looking at a building that probably is a thousand humans living in it. <laughs> Building. And what that means is, if you never 
entire career literally in the building above you. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what guys don't understand. There's right. 328 million people in America. You can't cut them all. You don't want to cut them all. And you don't want to cut everybody. You know, if you're really good at cutting businessmen, you don't even have to be cutting teenagers. If you're really good at cutting senior citizens, you don't have to be cutting businessmen or children. You right. only need 400 people. <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm I'm in the middle era, but I'm from the era. So I so I come from a music background, right? To get people at shows, I did the same thing with flyers. I put them, you know, hand to hand outside the club, and then also hand to hand to windshield wiper all day long. You know, yep. um, all day long. So when I started my shop, it was very similar. I created business cards that were also a coupon, and I just. I, I, I told myself, even if I threw these in the middle of the street and just let them sit there, they're better off than sitting in my truck. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So every time I go somewhere, how are you? If, if, if I have an Asian woman that's waiting on me, I'm still going to give her a card because she probably has a husband, son, father, stepkids, whatever. You know, she's... Absolutely. You can't make those decisions for people. I tell people all the time, you got to do your job. Your right. job is to promote. You can't decide whether people are going to accept your offer or not. That's not your job. Right. Right. Stay in your lane and do your job. You know, I, to this day, I order probably, let me do the math real quick, two times six. I probably order 12,000 business cards a year. Wow. I order 2,000 at a time, and I order them every two months, or give or take, uh, and I probably order six times a year. So I probably pass out 12,000 business cards a year. I do not have 12,000 customers. I do not have 12,000 shop clients. I do not have 12,000 people ordering on my website. I do not have 12,000 followers on, on Twitter. Right. But I'm putting out 12,000 cards a year, but I'll tell you what I do have. I do have more than $12,000. Right, right. So, so something's going right. I get these guys out there going, you know, they buy a box of 500 business cards, and, and three years later, they got half a box of cards. Yeah. Now, that's the, now let, me, let me play the devil's advocate a little bit on this. So, I, I'm, like, I'm like you, so I, I agree with you. But what I hear and what I understand from, from young new barbers in my shops is that they – don't really know where to go to pass them out, this and that. And they, here's what it is, Ivan. They haven't had to because I got my shop so stinking busy that you could actually just come in there and just do nothing and probably make a thousand bucks a week by accident, you know? Well, so, now, now, you're, now you're hitting on something different. Let's, you're talking about something very different here because this is part of the argument about why would you be on commission at 55% when you could rent a chair for 150 a week, and why would you let the man steal from you like that? This is the argument I hear from these young people. Yeah. And the answer is, wait a minute, dude, what are you getting in the deal? Yeah. Because if somebody gives you a chair, you have a chair. Good luck, God bless, go hustle, and build your business. Right. However, if somebody's in a commission shop situation, I just heard you say as an owner or manager, you are working hard to fill the waiting room. Well, that's just my and nature, right? Is, and their job is to empty the waiting room. So it goes back to my conversation earlier about do your job. Right. When I owned my shop, I told my people, my job is to fill the waiting room. Your job is to empty 
the waiting room. I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. Don't tell me how to do my job. Yeah. <laughs> Let me fill the waiting room for you. Let me fill the waiting room for you. Let me market. Let me promote. Let me do the things that will get our business high profile in the community and we'll have a waiting room full of people every hour that we are open. Do me a favor. Just cut hair. Okay? Right. Do me a favor. Be nice to people and cut hair. Now, there's other kid, young people, that, and I don't say kids, young people find themselves in the business that don't know how to promote. You know, they think that the next clipper, they go to a hair show to buy clippers. Yeah. Don't buy another <laughs> clipper. Everybody has enough clippers. How about if you go to a hair show and you sit in a classroom and you learn how to grow business? Yes. How about okay. that? Okay. Instead of sitting on Instagram and, and using a, a photo editing program to color in some guy's beard and to blurry up some guy's fade, how about you recognize that haircuts need to be good enough? And that's all they need to be. I'm not telling anybody to do bad haircuts. Right. But what I'm telling you is, on a scale of 1 to 10, if I am putting out haircuts that are a 5, and you are putting out haircuts that are a 9 and a half, mm -hmm. if your customer service, if your people skills, if your rebooking skills, if your referral skills, if your selling product skills are not where they need to be, I don't care if your fade is a 9 and a half. Right, because of who you are, because of how you're handling your business. Because of how I'm handling my business. I, you know, I, I will tell you this. If we are in a room, you and me and 98 other haircutters, mm -hmm. okay, if there are 100 haircutters in the room, barbers, cosmetologists, you need 100 haircutters, I guarantee you I am in the bottom half of talent. <laughs> okay. Okay? I love but it. I guarantee you, but I guarantee you I'm in the top 5% in income. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so so I think that's a point these guys these guys get lost on. I gotta go to the show and I gotta get another clipper. I gotta have the latest lithium ion cordless crazy thing. Yeah. And then, really? And the other thing is with coronavirus right now, I posted this on the web and I got a lot of crap over this when I posted it on the web. I said if you own an Andis Cordless Master and if you own a cordless senior and you own a cordless Babyliss FX <laughs> but you don't have money for booth rent next week. <laughs> you failed the class. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what I find. People are buying the clipper, the new clipper, and then they can't wait to do a haircut with it and then tag the company in the thing to try to get some attention from them. Yes. That, that's backwards. You know, I they should be getting your attention. I, you're the dope. You're the you're the reason that they're here. Like, you, give, give yourself more credit, man. It's not about the companies. It's about us. Uh, well, and here's the thing, too. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, people come up to me. I've been gone from Andis. I ran Andis' education. I've been gone from Andis for almost 10 years now. People still ask me every week, how do I get on the Andis team? <laughs> every uh, single week they ask me. And the answer is, guys... First of all, I don't run the team anymore. Second of all, I don't work there anymore. Third of all, I don't even know who runs the team over there anymore. But the answer is, they don't need you. And they don't want you. They right. got a whole team full of people. They got more people than they've ever had. Right. And by the way, you know what? 
you're not going to make any money anyways. Education in the beauty industry doesn't pay. Education in the beauty industry is about travel. Used to be travel. Now we don't travel anymore. But it was about travel. It was about free tools. It was about nice meals in restaurants. And it was about using your relationship with the company to leverage your social profile to grow your business. Right, right. I used to tell educators all the time, guys, you'll never get rich working for a product company as an educator. You're going to make a little bit of pocket change, but your your business is still your business. Right. I think people get lost in that. And, and, and I think that I was one of them at one point. And then I realized that, you know, my wife is just the best thing ever happened to me. She keeps me grounded. And, and I look around, I understand, like... If it's not, if my if my life isn't awesome at home, then it's never going to be awesome. So I got to focus here, right? So that means that Absolutely. becoming a, a platform artist or becoming a, a, an international educator or working for Hanzo or whatever the hot thing is right now, right? Um, it's not going to work out for me. That's not going to be a thing that I'm going to I'm going to do. But I still want to educate, right? So this is this is why I made the podcast, and this is why my website is what it is, and I'm working on resources and stuff like that as well. But you know. It's it gets lost on the young crowd, and I don't mean new barbers either. I just mean young people. It's just young in yeah. general. It's just like the, the instantaneous well, I, you know thing. What I tell people, I tell people, if you want to be an educator, you know what you do. Don't be tagging companies. And don't be buying products. And don't be reaching out to companies. If you today, if you want to be an educator, you know what you need to do. You need to educate. Yeah, I was going to say, how about educate some people? <laughs> how, about, how about a YouTube channel? Yeah. How about a Twitter? How about IGTV? How yeah. about a blog? How about a podcast? There's, there's so, and, the re, and the reality is, here's what I tell people. Create your content. If you believe you've got a better idea, a better way, a louder voice, something to share, create your content and have the guts, have the balls to put it out there right. because one of two things is going to happen. If you are good, if your content is good, if you're bringing value to the conversation, you know, let's face it, we don't need another Rob the Original. Right. Okay, do you know why? Because we have Rob the Original. Right. Okay. We have, we have this guy who is this unbelievably talented multimedia artist. <laughs> yeah. With the portraits and the pictures and the salt and the dirty laundry on the floor and the horses. I mean, this guy <laughs> has got, this guy's got a level of, of skill and creativity that is unmatched in the industry. If you think you're going to be Rob the Original, my advice to you is don't bother. You know, number one, you're not going to be that good. And number two, even if you are that good, we already have Rob. So we're, we're kind of good in that department. Yeah. But what I tell people is if you put your stuff out there and you're good, the universe will take care of itself. Amen. You will get discovered. And here's the thing. The other side of it is if you got the guts, if you got the balls, if you're willing to put your shit out there, if it's not good... Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to see it. It's going to die on the web. <laughs> <laughs> so this this is unreal, man. I'm so glad I had you on. This is exactly, if you go through my catalog of podcasts, this is exactly what I'm preaching. To hear it from you, who's an industry titan in my eyes, somebody who's always been around, and you care about the culture. This ain't, You're not a vulture. You're not sweeping in trying to grab some money, you know. This means a lot. So this this is it, folks. Pay attention. Write this down. I'm going to cut the hell out of this clip and post it everywhere so that people can hear. But that, that, that's it. The market decides whether or not you have what it takes. 
Well, that's like with, with these guys. You know, you see people, they're designing logos, and they're talking about, I love all these conversations about building your brand. You want to build your brand, and you want to build your brand. And I scratch my head, and I kind of wonder what they're talking about, because you can think whatever you want about your brand. Right. But the truth of the matter is, you don't get to decide what your brand is. Right. The customer decides what your brand is. The customer decides if your brand is good. They decide if they like it. They decide if it resonates with them. Your brand is not up to you. Right. I say that a lot. When So when, when starting my shop, I had this big idea on how it was going to be. And about three months in, I was like kind of bummed out that it wasn't that way. You know, <laughs> and then it's that's you know, that's so funny. You should say that. Yeah, go ahead. Finish. I'm going to tell you my story. So so that's I, re- I had that realization. The clients decide what kind of place this is. If if moms yeah. feel more comfortable coming here than 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 mechanics, then, then that's what it is. It's a place that we cut a lot of kids and we started cutting all kids. And then we got the dads and the dads told the buddies and then we got the men. And then we have mostly men. You know what I'm saying? It it This is a natural anthropology exactly. that happens. You know what? When I opened my shop, I had a vision of how I wanted my shop to be, who I thought I was and what I thought my shop was. And the exact same story that you just told everybody. Uh, Shortly after I opened my shop, I woke up one day and I said, you know, this is not what I wanted. It's just because, (laughs) and, and as soon as I said, as soon as I accepted it, I said, you know, the reason it's not what I wanted is I had to grow up a little bit and I had to realize that it doesn't belong to me. Right. Yes, I own it. Yes, I pay the employees. Yes, I get to take my little bit of profit from it. Yes, it's building my career and my family and everything. But really, when I woke up one day and realized that my shop belongs to the community and to the people that have chosen to work there. Yep. And it belongs Bingo. to the <laughs> now, now, that doesn't mean, now, time out, wait a minute, though. That does not mean that you let the monkeys run the zoo, okay? Right, no, exactly. You still, to, you still have to manage it, and you still have to provide leadership and direction. But, you know, things like, I had a vision for dress code. But you know what? That's not what my people wanted, and that's not what fit the community. So I worked with the team, and I worked with my people, and we wound up with a dress code that fit the team and that fit the culture, and that, you know what, I could live with. Mm. And it's exactly the opposite from a lot of how these ego-driven guys are trying to run these shops. Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to the building the brand thing, I think. You know, I yeah. I I had a logo, but like I just recently rebranded my logo and websites, but it was because of what was already there, right? Like so it became something, it became like a thing, and then I said this is what it is and I want my logo to represent that. Versus and It's like building it's like building a website. You know, I all the time you hear people talk about, "Yeah, I want to finish my website." Dude, a website is never finished. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> That's true. It, it keeps going. Let me ask you, we're going to switch gears here a little bit. I want to ask you something because I'm loving your energy for one, but two, you were coming off to me as an extremely disciplined man. Is that a word you would use to describe yourself? Um, I would use that word to describe myself. You'd have to ask my wife if I'm delusional. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, if, if you watch my weight, if you watch my YouTube videos and you look at my weight fluctuating over the years, you might argue that I'm probably not as disciplined as I could be. Maybe um, not with food, you know, but 
That's... Um, yeah, maybe not with maybe not with with, with, with French fries, but um, I'm extremely disciplined. I think when it comes to business, when it comes to business structure and activity scheduling, you know, mm. I'm in the gym every day. I have I set aside time for reading. I do a lot of reading. I am extraordinarily financially disciplined mm. when it comes to. Um, budgeting, managing money, managing uh, the business side of what I do. So, you know, I'm a big believer that discipline and and the management of your habits mm. is a key, a key to, you know, good and bad, a key to um, how, how the end results you get. Absolutely. So you said big word there, habits. Um, big, big word around my barbershop when I first start with people is like, this is a game of habits. So when I see you doing something that I think is a bad habit, I'm going to call you out on it. If I see you doing something once in a while, I'm probably going to let it go until I see it happen twice. And then because it's, it really is a game of habits. Um, well, yeah, when, what I tell people is I put it this way when I talk about it like that. I say our business is simple, but it's not easy. Yeah, sure. And the way I explain that is what I say is in our business, we really do simple things. You know, at the end of the day, the bottom line, what do we really do? We be nice to people. You know, yep. what do we do? We deliver it. We deliver a haircut. That's not that complicated, guys. We're not curing cancer. We're not launching space shuttles. We're not doing <laughs> eyeball surgery. All right. This is this is simple stuff. We're going to be nice to people. We're going to cut their hair. We're going to ask them to buy a bottle of gel. We're going to ask them to send their friends to us. We're going to ask them to make their next appointment today before they leave. These are very simple things. Right. But they're not easy. And what I mean by that is the challenging part, the hard part, the difficult part is doing very, very simple things, yet doing them extraordinarily well and consistently. Mm, over and over. And that's the and that's the fall down. And and I tell people if you want to make six figures in this business, if you want to be a hundred thousand dollar haircutter, if you want to retire with over four million dollars in the bank, and I have a plan that can do that, all I will ask you to do is eight simple things. But I will ask you to do those eight simple things very, very well and every single customer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and that that's what people can't deliver on. <laughs> it's the because that takes discipline. About it is, the beautiful thing about it is, and I say this all the time, and I know you'll know what I mean when I say this, and I know this sounds wrong sometimes. Sometimes people hear this wrong, but I still like to say it. Okay. What I'm going to say is this: one of the most exciting things to me about the haircut business. I wake up every single day in this industry fired up and excited. And one of the things that gets me the most excited is that generally speaking, on a daily basis, my competition sucks. <laughs> now, do you mean other shops or you mean, well, how do you, like, what's, what do you consider competition? Anybody and everybody that wants to do whatever it is I'm doing. Gotcha. I, the other guy, the other guy, the other guy's not willing to do it. The other guy shows up late. The other guy goes home early. The other guy throws neck strips on the floor. The other guy leads clients back to chairs that haven't been swept. If you want to take it into platform work, the other guy doesn't show up in the room early to get set up. The other guy doesn't start on time. The other guy doesn't end on time. The other guy didn't prep his models. The other guy didn't rehearse in the hotel room last night. Mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. Okay? When it comes to writing books, I write books. The other guy didn't hire a professional editor. He had his mother read his book. <laughs> the other guy, the other guy didn't hire a graphic artist to do his covers. He did it with himself with a crayon and a program online. Okay. The other guy says all the time, you know, I should write a book. But you know what? The other guy didn't write a book. And I just finished writing my 11th book. Damn. Okay? And, and writing 11 books is not hard. It's simple. But it requires that you actually sit down and write the book. Right. Now, you're a busy guy. But you still okay. find time or make time. So what, what, what's something you could tell somebody who's got the, uh, the time excuse? You know, we all get 24 hours a day. It's a question of how you use them. And I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody because I realize there are single parents out there. I realize there are right. people with small children. You know, I got a wife. I got two boys. My boys are grown. One of them is married and out of the house. The other one's uh, finished with college and back in the house and working full time. Um, you know, and I work. I find time. I go to the gym every day. I make it a priority. You have to make certain things priorities. You've got to budget and schedule your time. You know, it's like looking at your money. Mm -hmm. Or it's like looking at your calories, you know. I can complain about my, you know, my weight fluctuating, but I can tell you when my weight goes down, my weight goes down because I food journal. My weight goes <laughs> right. down because I use portion control. Right. My weight goes down because I'm aware of the choices that I'm making. Okay, it's about prioritizing it. And let's be honest, there are times of the year when I do a trade show every week for six weeks. During that period of time, I promise you, my food intake is not a priority. Yeah, right. <laughs> but when I'm traveling on the road like that, my priority is getting in the hotel and getting to bed on time. My priority is getting up early and making sure I get my time in the gym. My priority is being, I am the first guy to be on the show floor in the morning, and I am the last guy to leave the show floor at night. I love it, man. And people... And people say this all the time. They go, wait, Ivan, you know, you've been doing this for 30 years. You know, it's an honor. And people call me to go. And people say, I'm, I've been doing this forever. And people talk, people say, Ivan, you've been doing this forever. Why do you got to be the first guy on the floor in the morning and the last guy out at night? And the answer is, that's why I'm doing it forever. That's it. I so I, I, okay. I call I call you Larry Bird. You're <laughs> you're Larry Bird okay. of Barbara. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And the reason I'm still out there doing it is because they still invite me back, and the reason they still invite me back is because I deliver. That's it. For sure. Hundred percent. So what? So so I'm going to listen to this a hundred times, and I'm going to get all hyped up, and I'm going to do it for a little while. But I I I'm admitting we're all live on the air. I lack discipline in making sure that I get motivated. Like, so like there's certain things that motivate me. I don't have the motivation myself. So my question is, do you find motivation from other sources? Are you, are you just kind of wired this way? How does this work for you? I think, I think there's a few things. I think if I told you I was wired this way, it's a cop out. If I told you I was wired this way, it's an excuse to, to not share some of the secrets and it's, it's a way of other people saying, well, you know, that's him, but I can't do it. The answer is you, you feed yourself. Um, I read a great deal. Mm -hmm. um, I have mentors. I have people I talk to that are both mentors and I have people that are peers, people that are, are kind of in the same boat rowing the same way I am. You surround yourself with some of those right kinds of people. Uh, the other thing is I think you've got to have goals. And if you've ever heard the term smart goals, if your listeners are familiar with the smart goal setting system, S-M-A-R-T. 
for setting goals. I'm not going to go into it right now on the podcast, but I'm going to invite every one of your listeners to Google SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T. Mm-hmm. It is specific, it is measurable, it is achievable, it is realistic and time-bound. That's what SMART stands for as an acronym. You've got to have very clear and specific goals. My wife and I are constantly sitting at the dinner table talking about what are we doing? Does it fit the plan? Does it fit the goals? You know, we just we just did some. We made a decision. You know, in the middle of this COVID nineteen lockdown, we had to make a decision last night at about ten o'clock at night about an expense for the business, about whether it was the right thing at the right time, whether it was something we should be doing. And the answer we 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 really the answer was simple because we said, how does this fit the goal? Gotcha. And when it turned out it didn't fit the goal last night at literally nine thirty, I was on an email pulling the plug on something that just didn't fit the goal. Okay, I see that, and, and I get that. I, I've done some. I've done some leadership training. I've done some different uh, workshops that have really got me uh, situated. Got me to where I am today, honestly. And. Uh, it, it sounds sounds kind of similar. I'm not gonna. I'm not too familiar with that though. And I'm gonna look that up. And I, I hope everybody else does too. Um, sure. So these days you're doing education like crazy. Like your Instagram is full of great great information. Um, you got the eleventh book. I didn't even know the eleventh book. So this is this is totally awesome to to hear yeah. this. Um, you know. What is next for you? What is something that you'd like to, or, 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 I mean, it's the answer could be this for life. And that, and I think that's cool too. I'm just curious if you have another thing you're trying to get into. Well, right now, I think that the focus right now is trying to figure out what our world will look like when we get to the other side of the current situation. Yes. Um, you know, and, and I don't have a crystal ball. My, my crystal ball is not shinier than anybody else's. But, um, you know, I've got this 11th uh, book project that I want to get out and get published. Um, my, my ninth and 10th books are really my biggies. Um, a lot of the earlier stuff, uh, some of it's still available, but a lot of it has kind of been retired away because, you know, quite frankly, the more I've done it, I've gotten better at it. Um, $100,000 haircutter and 100 by 100 uh hundred new haircut customers in 100 days guaranteed. Uh, those are the two hot books. The next book that's coming out, I can give you a little sneak preview on it. It's the Haircut Pricing Playbook. And this is literally a workbook that is designed to allow beauty and barber professionals to get out a pencil, get out a calculator. You're going to actually write in the book and sort out and figure out not only your current pricing, you know, if you're new in the business, where do you start? How do you raise? When do you go up? How to manage your your prices and your money? And I can tell you number 12, which I haven't started yet, is I'm actually not even going to publish as a book. Number 12, when it comes out, is going to be available on my website as a download. And it is a financial savings and investment plan for hair cutters that is designed to allow a young person to establish a pattern of financial responsibility and financial management. And this really came out with uh, flipping out of this whole COVID thing, you know, and seeing all these barbers. You know, we got guys out there, they're living off the books. They're making $50,000 a year mm. living, living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And when, and when their state told them they couldn't cut hair next week, they started to freak out about how they're going to feed their kids. Yeah, it's 
crazy. Okay, but they got but but they got clippers and they got gym shoes and they got a car payment that'll choke a rhinoceros. <laughs> and this is this is just not cool. So right. that's the finance book that's coming out. I still cut hair part time. Um, I got a buddy that owns a shop. I no longer own a shop. I got a buddy that owns a shop in the area. I cut hair one two days a week, depending on my travel schedule, because I just love it. And yeah. you want to know what's next for me? At some point, the answer is next for me is fewer hair shows. Three days a week in a barber shop, and primarily coaching, training, and marketing my books to continue to help people grow. As I get to a point where you know what, I just want to cut hair. Yeah, I'm 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 ready to kind of shift a little backwards in the business because I want to I want to I, I want to watch the Cubs game. Yeah. I want to watch the, <laughs> I want to watch uh, Premier League soccer on TV, and I want to be hanging out in the barber shop shooting the breeze. Right. That's great, man. You're, you're no, a Chicago guy, right? That's where you're from? Absolutely. Yeah, I love absolutely. Chicago. Chicago, New Orleans, my two favorite cities aside from Boston, you know, being from Massachusetts. But uh, my buddy moved out absolutely. to Chicago 2003, right when the Cubs got Nomar Gassiapara. And, um, Nomar. Was it? I was at the first game. I was at the first game Nomar played at Wrigley Field. So I was supposed to be at that game. But if you remember, the Wrigley had um, falling debris, so their standing room only tickets were gone. And so That's right. I, they were selling <laughs> they were selling Cubs hard hats. Yeah, so I got off the plane. We took a cab right over there, and we waited in line. And we there was twenty three people or twenty five people in front of us, and they were like, "That's it, we're done." I'm like, oh my god, we almost got it." But that's funny. We would have been in the same building, but yeah, I love Chicago, man. I got I got lost yeah, in no, that my, city. Uh, my old, my older son, my older son's a big baseball fan in the house. He and I, and uh, and well, that was one of the you know we don't go to a lot of Cub games. Uh, we live in the northern suburbs, so we're about halfway. Um, we can we can make the hop up to Miller uh, in Milwaukee. Miller Park is probably one of the best baseball stadiums in America. Mm. Um, I don't like the team, but I like the park. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we go to a lot of <laughs> we go to a lot of games up there too. Man, that's great, man. Well, listen. I mean, this is you. You, you are action packed. You are information packed. Like usually, I got to pull a lot of info out, and these things go on for like an hour. But I really feel like we just nailed everything we need to nail. Um, Absolutely. I, I I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you being on for one and uh, reaching back out to me and saying, "Yeah, when do you want to do it?" Um, it's Absolutely. been since we've been down with this with this COVID crap. I've been uh, really focused on my personal brand, which is the podcast and my and my resources I'm putting together right now. Similar. Uh, to what you're doing, not writing books, but, you know, um, just trying to help people. And, and it's, it brings me great joy when a guy from like the UK hits me up on Instagram, like, Hey, I heard your podcast. Can you explain more on this? And I help them with that. You know, it's just Absolutely. so fun. So Very cool. tell people where they can find the books, where they can find you on social. And, um, yeah, the whole world is Ivan Zoot. Uh, Twitter is Ivan Zoot. Instagram is Ivan Zoot. The website is IvanZoot.com. Uh, the books are available on my website. The books are available on Amazon. I've got a, uh, link tree on my profile on Insta that's got the links to all of my uh, major presences and things I got going on. You know, everybody knows one of my big corporate sponsors are the folks at Barbicide. Yeah. Barbicide last week introduced their back-to-work plan. Uh, that is a free download that is available on my uh, Instagram. It is a six-page document that talks about when we get back to work, um, what we need to do and how we need to do it to protect ourselves, our customers, and our business. Barbicide wants everybody to get a copy of that. It's totally free, um, and 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 reach out to me. You know, everybody knows you DM Ivan. Ivan answers. Um, I don't Love have it. people. 
I talk directly with everybody. <laughs> and when you get this thing, when you get this thing cut up and put out online and everything, tag me in it. I'll share it for you, yeah. and we'll spread the word. I really appreciate it, bro. Yeah, and, and I'll and I'll have all this stuff linked in the notes to the episode too. So wherever you're listening, just hit the notes, and you'll be able to see all the links. You should be able to go right from the cast to the uh, to what you got going on, dude. I really appreciate Beautiful. it, man. Uh, I hope uh, you can. This is a favor to me. So if you ever need anything in in the city or the state of Massachusetts, let me know, and I got you. <laughs> so, I appreciate but, you, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, Ivan. I'll talk to you later, man. Thank you. Have a great night. You too.